Welcome back to another episode of North and Goal. My name is Benji. You can find me on Twitter at Alaskutan. And I am Jake, known as the Mighty Alaskan Ute on Twitter, and I hope uh, the Ohio State University does not sue me because of that. <laughs> and and please don't confuse us. We both have Alaska and Utah kind of in our names a little bit. And this happened once again. This happens about three times a year. This time in the middle of a 10-day break. I took a 10-day hiatus from any and all social media, and I did it with my wife. Highly recommend doing that. Hurry and do it before football starts because you don't want to miss it during football. Uh, it is great to kind of reset. Well, I come back, and I've got like 20 notifications, and 18 of them were somebody telling me how garbage the Utes were because of some stupid list. And, and I'm just like, wow, nobody missed me at all. It was all. pretty funny. <laughs> it was pretty funny because it was a BOA fan. He's like, he, he posted a list about the top, I can't even remember, ranked something. He's like, aha, Utes aren't on here. You suck. And he tagged a bunch of Ute fans and he tagged you. But the funny part yeah. was it about it was BYU was 16th, but he didn't look very close because Utah was seven. Yeah. <laughs> so not only did he ruin his whole his whole thing, but it also he tagged you and everyone's like, ah, in your face, Benji, the BYU Alaskan fan. Any, anytime that happens to me, I'll just jump in and start defending as though they're right and I'm a Ute fan be like, oh, yeah, well, have you thought of this? And did you think about that? And like. You know, it'd be too easy to just be like, hey, moron, I'm one of you. You know, they, they don't deserve that. Yeah, 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 agreed. Well, hey, uh, listen, we were just talking off air. Welcome back to our podcast. We are we are not your typical sports football podcast. Most of these guys, and bless their hearts, they're awesome, do tons of research, have tons of stats, and are, are 100% serious. We have sports, but then we digress to to stories and other things that are important to us. And we, we don't come with those hard-hitting stats. We come with passion, and we come with anecdotes. Yes. You know? I, and we, that's us. If you, want the, if you want the hardcore stats, you know, check out the U-Zone Blockcast or another one. But this is, this is, this is not – you're not going to get that with us. As much as I would love to interview people and bring you firsthand knowledge, the, the honest truth is I don't know how to do that. Like, like if we bring a, a third person, that's like that's just too many moving parts. It is, yeah. We're we're pretty simple on this on this uh, podcast here. So. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Well, is it, this this is our our second podcast of season two, and it's actually going to be our pregame preview podcast for the Utah BYU rivalry game, the Holy War version one hundred, which takes place on August 29th. The reason being is I am going out of town next week and the first part of the week after that to England and we'll be unavailable to record said podcast so we're just doing it now we're, we're this, getting this right will be into our preview it. hey before yep. we get into it though when I get back we'll have the recap I had a thought while I was driving because this is where most of my good thoughts come from just you know like a shower thought I'm driving along and I'm thinking every time we start this episode in my head I've got this music that's like awesome like north and goal like these choirs and like heavy guitars and stuff and like if any of our listeners want to just make us an intro, I am I'm open to that. I would love to have some intro music, um, and and we'll give you a shout out because that's all we have to offer. But uh, but yeah, that would be cool. Yep. You'll be our best friend if you do an intro music. Yeah. And you know what we'll do? Whoever wins this rivalry game, their fight song will be our intro music to our next podcast. <laughs> I like about that. that. I like that. And the yeah, we have to sing the original words about like isn't yours like Father Abraham or something? 
<laughs> it's Sol. It's Solomon. Yeah, Levi, that's right. I think Levi is the Solomon. Name. Solomon. It's Levi. an old drinking song. Yeah, but you know what? There's there's actually four verses to it. We sing two of them, and I think the last verse, the the hidden, the fourth verse, which we don't sing, is my favorite verse. Yeah, it says, "We may not live forever on this jolly old good sphere, but while we do, we'll live a life of merriment to cheer. And when when our college days are o'er and night is drawing nigh, with parting breath, I'll sing that song." A Utah man am I. Whoa. Boom. As you go into your grave, singing the Utah fight song. That's me, bro. Yeah. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that on my casket. With parting breath, I'll sing that song. A Utah man am I. I, I don't want to admit to chills or anything because, you know, I can't, I can't be accused of, of loving Utah. But that's, yes! that's pretty – that's, like, deep, you know? That's, that's emotion right there. That's kind of like yes, the Star Spangled Banner. Can... Sometimes you get into those third and fourth verses, and you're like, man, what, this gets overlooked. Agreed. Yes. So I'm glad I could do that. I'm glad I could give you chills. I don't think Rise and Shout has a second verse. I, we keep it pretty uh, simple. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Does it? I well, I'll write one. If if it doesn't, we can come okay. up with that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Perfect. So uh, last time we talked, there's been some changes in, in our on our roster. We did it. We did a preview, a pre-camp preview. Yes. And uh, since then, Utah has lost. A guy we were counting on big time, the Penn State transfer, mm-hmm. Manny Bowen, uh, to fill in at linebacker. And I heard from some some inside sources, and, and you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna divulge my sources. All right, you know, that's All important. Right. Anyway, inside sources that he was doing awesome. That he was he was there spring and summer, and they said that he kind of picked up right where Cody and Chase left off, and he was gonna be awesome. But they they took a, a week break before fall camp. He went home and never came back. So yeah. he had a his his reason, and I, I do air quotes. His reason was because he had a business opportunity, but no one really believes that. Nobody's ever going to know why he didn't come back. Maybe he's just lost his love for football. Maybe he just felt homesick. But he's not back, so it's it's a big loss. There's no denying it. Big loss because he would have been a big time player for us. That is that is interesting. Do you and this is wild speculation. Any idea? I mean, what kind of a background is this coming from? Is his does his dad trade stocks or anything like that or would we be more suspicious like what kind of like illicit stuff is out there? I mean, I don't want to be like I, I know nothing about him just that his name is Manny Bowen and he's from Pennsylvania or was it Penn State? I don't know if he's even from Pennsylvania. Yeah, I don't know where he's from, and I don't know his background. All I know is he went back, and he never came back, and, and it sucks. That's crazy so, stuff. Yeah, I thought for but, sure you know, we have. Uh, I, I thought for sure once Taysom Hill was done with his college days, he's somebody who had a business opportunity where you'd look at it and be like, pursue the business opportunity. I mean, he had a career path, and and I'm glad he didn't listen to guys like me because he's living his dream. You know, more power to him. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, us, us bleacher guys, it actually reminds me of a story real quick. I went to the Skyline Layton game last night, high school uh, game, because my nephew is a star for the Skyline Eagles. And uh, there was this guy that was behind me, and he was yelling like he was in the freaking Super Bowl every play <laughs> to the coach. Come on, coach. He's too far back for the punt. And then the guy would punt, and it'd go, it'd, or it'd go over his head. Come on, coach. We need a run to, to, to make more room for the punt. The coach would pass. They got a first down. Literally everything he said <laughs> angrily towards the coach, they did the opposite, and the opposite worked every time. It was pretty funny. <laughs> That's awesome. That's, this is why... I think guys like you and me are are good for this podcast is we recognize our limitations, don't we? 
I I feel oh, yeah. like in my career, you have people, and and I spend my days, my my uh, day job is fixing teeth, and you'll have people come in that have what we call a low dental IQ, meaning that they don't really know very much about dentistry, and and then they try to talk about it as though they do, and you really get a feel for. I mean, not to insult people, there's a lot of intelligent people out there that just haven't spent four years studying nothing but teeth and we can't expect yeah. people to do that but then they show up and, yeah. and that's how i feel when i attempt to criticize a coach is i enjoy football when i have time for it from time to time but who do i think i am to sit there and be like back the punter up or whatever you know I, yeah I, I know i'm not that guy so we're basically we got low football IQ is what you're saying. We, well, we I think low football IQ on this podcast. Bro. I think just about everybody does, and that's where I just want to give Bronco Mendenhall this big bro hug because like he got it and he wasn't afraid to say it. Is be like, yeah, the level of criticism matches the level of the IQ, but in an inverse cor- inverse correlation. He said it better than I did. Yeah, but uh, but I think he was right on the money. But I did like that about him. He he. Uh, he would take shots yeah. at fans all the time. Yeah, uh, he's, remember that one time he was at a recruiting press conference and he said, "This guy is six four two fifty. and then some guy from the crowd yells two sixty, and Bronco's like, oh, "Okay." Uh, even though I was just with him this morning, my friend here says two sixty. Remember that? <laughs> <laughs> that was hilarious. Oh, he's great. Uh, I'm glad he's ta- got those Cavaliers top of the ACC going to go to the. The Orange Bowl. I'm yeah. proud of him. I like. I'm happy for him. Oh yeah, yeah. Me too. I still. I. I'm a big time fan. My daughter. This is the most adorable thing. She's now seven. So at the time that's what's been three years now. She's like four or five when he retired. And I came home from work and was like Bronco retired. And she could tell I was or not retired. <sighs> See, this is what we don't know what we're talking about. He he took the took the job at Virginia. So I said, yeah, Bronco's not gonna be our coach anymore. And she got super sad. And she's like, oh. I'm going to miss Bronco. This little girl saying that, and I'm just like, me too, Hannah, me too. That was, it was cute. He's like yeah. part of our family. He doesn't know it, but he is. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we got the game next week, baby. We can officially – well, not officially say that. Well, but maybe by the time you post this. I mean, it's Saturday. Yeah. So uh, I guess if you post it tomorrow or later, then yes, officially next week. Yeah. We're 10, 11, 12 days away from the rivalry, the Holy War. And I got to ask you. I, how do you feel about having the 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 Holy War be the first game of the year? What are your thoughts on that? Uh, if I had my preference, I'd keep it the last game of the year every year, just because there's nothing like the build up to that. You know, I mean, you eat dessert after you eat your dinner, right? It, it's nice to look forward to all season, and I thought that was kind of cool, even though the dynamics of the two different seasons played out in kind of a weird opposite way. Uh, but yeah, if it were up to me, year after year, let's put it at the end. But that's also selfishly because BYU has no problem scheduling difficult games in the first four or five weeks. They have a little more difficulty keeping that schedule evened out and spread out. I mean, I'd love to have A game, B game, C game, A game, B game, C game all through the season where you just kind of give the team a break throughout the year and, and end with a good one. So I would love to have it there. That being said, uh, you take what you can get, and it's fun right off the bat. Get things going. I do think both teams will benefit from increased media exposure because I think the only other really interesting matchup is Oregon versus Auburn, which also should be a really good one. I'm looking forward to watching that one. Yeah, that'll be fun. I I, I hate it the first week. If it's going to be early in the season, make it week two or three. I just can't have that much stress 
the first game. I mm-hmm. love I I want football back all summer and spring and I want to go there and be able to enjoy it and not go there and poop my pants, you know? Like <laughs> yes. uh like I was talking to some friends this week on Twitter. Um and yeah, I, my friends are Twitter friends. Yes. Uh, that's life, that's where we're all from. Anyway, <laughs> so, some of my Twitter friends and it's like it's not it's not enjoyable this game. It's just more of a relief when it's over. Yeah. You know? If we win, it's like, oh, thank goodness we didn't lose. And it's like, I'm not just like I like opening up with a pan a, a cupcake. I like opening up with Idaho State or Montana State or something. Go there and just enjoy that football's back. But no, we get thrown right into this bitter hatred and I, I can't I'm too stressed about Ladies it. Ladies and gentlemen, watching the we are witnessing some some very generous honesty from the mighty Alaskan Ute here. He if you're reading right, between dude. the lines of what he's saying, he just said we're not a cupcake. Hey, <laughs> you guys are an emotional A game. It is, dude. It is yeah. an emotional A game, bro. And dude, I, I was I rewatched the fourth quarter of last year's game and even though I knew what happened, I still had a pit in my stomach. I was like, I can't have this. <laughs> I hate this game. First game of the year, I hate it. Yeah. Oh. Oh man, it's something where and everybody's wired a little bit differently. There's some things that some people absolutely love and other people absolutely hate. You know, like like you think of extreme sports. My very nature, I'm kind of drawn to that. Now, I, I would love to go hang gliding and and do stuff like that, but I, I I've got my I'm a father. I've got like things that matter in life, so I put off a lot of that. But my by my very nature, like I love speaking in front of a crowd. It's it's one of my goals. I'm gonna actually see if I can get. Uh, things lined up right to where I can attempt to do some stand-up here in the next year or two because I think that'd be fun to just be on stage in front of a huge crowd and perform. You know, that's something that's very appealing to me. My wife is not at all that way in any of those things. And and I love her. We have a great relationship, but I'm the risk taker and she's more, no. And so I think about that with the rivalry. I look at this game and I just, I know it's going to be super intense the whole time when I'm watching. I'm at the edge of my seat. I can't, like, I jump up and down between every play and that, but I just, I can't get enough of it. I love it. But I also hate it at the gotcha. same time. Dude, I did some stand up. I did a stand up routine. Yeah. Once. Oh, did you? It was, it was, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a, it was a war talent show. So it wasn't anything real. Yeah. But they asked me to host it and open up with like a five to ten minute monologue. Uh-huh. I was like, oh my gosh. So I did and I ended up just ripping on everybody in the ward, <laughs> you know? And it, it actually worked out pretty good. I'll, I recorded it. I'll send it to you. Yeah. It, was, it actually... It was pretty... It was. It actually worked out all right. That's awesome. Anyway, yeah, I get it. I get it. Being a stand-up comedian would be amazing. So it would be so fun. My, my wife, Melissa, sent me a tweet that she found the other day. She's on Twitter. She lurks on Twitter. She doesn't ever say anything. She should. But she was like, look what I found. And it's basically... It was saying that... Uh, the, the the equivalent the male equivalent of I think I'm gonna cut my bangs is I'm gonna try and do stand up, and I like because I've been telling her this for a long time now I'm like wait other guys say this too I guess this is the ambition that a lot of us have that we just don't that's, ever talk about hilarious. openly. Oh, that's hilarious. Anyway, so this is a proof of our tangents. We we've talked about two minutes of football, so and we're 15 minutes in. So back to the game. <laughs> there is a here game. we go kicking off kicking off in 12 days. Down there at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, I've got my tickets. I'm on the west side, about the goal line on the on the north end. Nice. Uh, there's gonna be eight of us. We're gonna be rocking and ready to go. Um, okay, so let's talk about it, um, for for BYU. You start first for BYU yeah. to win. What has to happen? They they've got to they have to do. This is gonna seem like I'm being lazy, but I'll expand on this. 
do what they did last year early and not what they did last year late. And what I saw That's specifically great. is they showed up, they had razor sharp focus. They came ready to play, to play and they believed in themselves. And I feel like they've got the talent, they've got the focus, they better have the desire. If they don't have the desire in this game, they don't deserve to be putting a helmet on and playing football. They're going to want to win. They're hungry. I, I feel like they need to work on maybe just maintaining the confidence, shutting out the noise that doesn't motivate them, channeling in the noise that puts the chip on their shoulder and gets them to execute at a high level and, and not make stupid mistakes. I, I do feel like the last several rivalry games, there's been the narrative out there of, oh, BYU's dirty and they're cheap. But when you really look at the penalties that go on, they've been pretty disciplined. And I want them to continue to do that because that's always my worry is emotion will take over and they'll do something stupid. Um, sorry, I got got talking too much. had saliva in my... This is why I can't do stand-up. I'm going to be like, hold on, let's, let's go back and re-record. <laughs> my... My yeah. fear over and over is that they're going to do stupid pre-snap penalties because they're not disciplined or that they'll do something after the whistle blows. So if they can rein that in and just maintain that focus, play as a team, there's no reason they can't do it. When you look at what they've done in the past, beating Wisconsin last year, Utah's good. And I'm ready to admit you, this might be Utah's best team ever. It probably is. But so was Wisconsin last year. They were great. And BYU went in, executed their game plan. They took care of business. There's no reason they can't win this football game. Okay. Do you feel that Utah's eight straight games plays a mental effect on them at all? Do you think they think they have to like that's that's an obstacle for them? Like, oh my gosh, they beat us eight times in a row. They're good. You know, we gotta get it. Do you think that's a, a, a Positive or negative? Did you ever see the movie, I think it's Major League 3 with Charlie Sheen, and he's got that crazy haircut and all that, and the movie begins where he's he's up, he's at the plate, you know, he's strike one, strike two, strike three, he starts walking towards, and the ump's like, where are you going? And he just kind of looks around, and everybody's staring at him like he's an idiot. So he has to go back to the plate, and then they call strike four, and then they call strike five, and it's this nightmare he doesn't wake up from where there's no limit of strikes and he just he has to just bear it. And I feel like there is some of that effect where I'd like to say, you know, if I were in their shoes that you just say, no, it's just one game, but it's one game that matters. But I do feel like that accumulates, you know, and a little bit both ways. I do feel like it might be easier on the Utah side because they say, hey, look, this is what we do. At the same time, you don't want to be the Utah team that it's not just eight years worth of teams because you got, you know, the way it works with four years, you're going to go back like 12 years worth of players. You're going to say, hey, you can't let us down. So a little bit both ways, but I do feel like maybe that is more pressure on BYU to just get over the hump, get it done. Yeah, typically I'd agree with that. But I feel like we have so much riding on this season mm -hmm. that any stumbling block any slip up is a disaster. Dude, we have never had this much hype going into a season yeah, ever. Yeah. We have been ranked twice in the history of our program to start the season and they were number 21 in 2004, I believe, and number 19 in 2009. Twice. That's it. And there's people like John Wilner that put us at number 6 yeah. and he's an AP voter. So in his ballot that he submitted, it'll come out on Monday, we'll find out where they're ranked, but in his ballot he has us at freaking number 6, mm -hmm. you know? And Brett McMurphy has us at number 9. These are like 
We've never had this much this this much hype before ever. Yeah. Even going into this Alex Smith senior year with Urban Meyer, we were twenty one. The hype is, in my opinion, it's justified to an extent, but mm-hmm. it's starting to get out of freaking control. Yeah. In my opinion, you have guys like the Pick Six Preview guy who is awesome, <laughs> and his he he's shown that his predictions are the most accurate of all. I mean, there's there's Stassen ranks them and his is the best. Yeah. So he's he knows what he's doing, but he has us making the freaking playoffs. So at this point there's nowhere to go but down. Nowhere. Yeah. If we stumble even a little bit, we're screwed, okay? And so I mean this this BYU game is massively important. Yeah. We cannot start off the season with a loss after all this hype and build up, especially whether you like whether it's you know whether it make it hurts your feelings or not to a team that's not ranked and not expected to be that great. Yeah. You know? No, no, that's um, that's who we so are. So I think it yeah, I think it's I think it's a bit of a trap game that way. Not the fact that they're overlooking it, but the fact that it's a it's 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 harder to beat BYU than just team versus team. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean yeah. because of all the history and the rivalry and the teams are so intertwined. We have players that transfer from Utah to BYU, players that transfer from BYU to Utah, uh-huh. players that wanted to play at Utah but are BYU. Uh, Zach Wilson, you know all the all these all these dynamics, and so it's not just a regular game. So. That's why I think it's 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 more likely to lose than just looking at it at a thirty thousand foot level like a lot of the national guys are doing. For you sure, know? one of the interesting things I learned from a class I took there was a year in college where I was a history major, and I changed <laughs> I changed my major every year. So the year that I was a history major, I took the coolest class ever. The title of the class was World War II. So it's a full semester just studying World War II. And one of the takeaways from that, I mean, that was a war where you had people from all walks of life that showed up and were in combat. And it's not really like that anymore. And so they would try to identify in combat, you know, a firefight, bullets are flying, who's going to rise to the occasion to be a leader and who's going to freak out and, and not be very helpful or good. They found no predictors. You can't look at that and say, this person that does this or is good at that. It's just something that you have to get in. And once the bullets are flying, you see who's going to be the leader, who's going to take charge, who's going to, you know, fail under the pressure. And I feel like these things are similar to that. You're going to have players on Utah's team who read the headlines, see the hype, and say, yes, that's who we are, and embrace it, personify that, say this is a self-fulfilling prophecy, we will be as good as they say we are. You're going to have some other players where it's going to get in their head. They're going to feel way too much pressure. They're going to start overthinking things. And so it kind of it, it cuts both ways. You can't really say as a team yeah. whether that's helpful or hurtful. But from player to player, I think some people will feed on that and others won't. Yeah, I can definitely buy that. And to your World War, your war analogy, just people off the street, I I, I know in my head I, I'd be thinking I'm a leader that would you know rush up to the front lines, but I guarantee you those bullets start flying. I'm hiding behind a tree somewhere, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I would be. I would. I am not wired. Those guys are studs. I salute the military, but I am not anywhere on that level of of those guys. Yeah, how bad a they are. Well, you know? and it, and you you would never really know that about yourself until you're in the situation. I kind of felt that way, and maybe maybe you have a story here too. I had read and read and read and read to prepare myself. What do you do when you run into a bear? Because I moved into a, I moved up to Alaska, 
and I love being uh-huh, outside, uh-huh. and there are bears outside, and I just thought, I don't want to be the <laughs> idiot that doesn't know what he's doing. So I read all this stuff, and, and so mentally, I played it out a million times, but thought, I don't know what I'm going to do until it happens. Well, then one year, it happened. I stumbled upon a bear that was not very far from me, and I, th- I thought, okay, am I going to freak out and yell and get eaten, or am I going to use my training? And I was able to keep my cool, and the bear kind of scampered off, and I thought, all right. All right, I, I I know now how I would react because that happened to me. So now I know a little bit more about myself. Not that the bear was trying to shoot me. I'm not trying to say That's I'm hilarious. like an American hero yeah. or anything like that. Just drawing a comparison that you got to be in these situations to know. Dude, and now 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 that you've mentioned it, I do have a story. Okay. about this, and it's the opposite. So this happened last two days ago. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I was mountain biking and. Every now and then I, I get in my head like, dude, if a mountain lion came out, you know, how would I handle this? I'd jump off my bike, get get all angry, you know, yeah. and because I just read a story of a mountain lion that attacked, I think, in Colorado. So I was thinking about it while I'm cruising up this bike hill, uh-huh. you know, just pumping, boom, boom, boom. And all of a sudden I'm coming around this corner. It's a really wooded area. I come around this corner as I'm thinking about this mountain lion situation and this dude's running down with his dog and his dog's like 50 yards ahead of him. And so as I come around the corner, he's like, three feet from me and it was a brown dog fast as he could yeah. and I freaking freaked oh, out. No. I squealed like a girl. I was like, oh my, God, oh my gosh, oh! And like, I just totally didn't handle it well at all and I thought yeah. to myself, you know what? I will die if a mountain lion <laughs> ever comes. I am screwed because I had just had been thinking about a mountain lion and this brown dog just came sprinting full speed at me and I freaked out. And so yeah, yeah. I, I learned about myself how I would react situation oh man i would i would love to have a mountain lion encounter just because after all the bear prep that i've done mentally with mountain lions for those of you listening because this may save somebody's life you can and should try to intimidate that animal away from you 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 make your hands big you grab a big stick you yell you chase it you hit it like you can intimidate a mountain lion away from you so and that's with bears you sometimes want to do that and a lot of times you really don't want to do that so after all that i think man that'd be cool to just try to get into a a shouting match with a with a cougar with a mountain lion, with a yeah, puma. Yeah, well, I, lo- I lost it. I lost to a golden retriever. So anyway, <laughs> I love that. that's that's how I would be when bullets are flying. Okay, so you're you're you. If you win, you are saying it's based on being focused and yes, playing all four quarters like they did the first two. Yeah. Okay, for Utah, for us to win, I just think it comes down to our defense is so freaking legit mm-hmm. that it's just they'll be they'll be so stout. I mean, there I saw some stuff from. From uh, Rick Neuheisel, he's a mm-hmm. uh, you know who he's yeah, yeah. former coach. He's an analyst now. He thinks that all eleven starters will will be at some point in an NFL camp or on an NFL roster. Really, and they are so talented. Phil Steele has our D line, the number one D line in the country, and it's true. Mm-hmm. You have, I mean, both tackles are an awesome. Fotu and Penasini, both ends. Anai led the Pac-12 in sacks last year, mm-hmm. and then Tupai came on towards the end of the year and had a, was getting playing really well. So our D line is stacked. Our secondary is loaded. Our linebackers, though not very deep, are talented and good. So for us to win, I think our defense just shows up and stiffens up and doesn't allow Zach Wilson to uh, to pick us apart. You know, you know, it, um, I love as I think about these two teams, strengths match strength here, where. Uh, you know, you talk about the number one rated D line in the country. I would say, of all the position groups, I like BYU's offensive line the most and have the least doubts in their abilities. This may be the best 
offensive line Utah sees all year, and this will likely be the best defensive line BYU sees all year. So that'll be really interesting battle in the trenches. Uh, the BYU's running game, really untested, unproven. It I've been hearing from fall camp that Tyson Williams has now merged it, uh, kind of slid ahead of uh, Katoa to the number one spot, which tells me, you know, that, may, that could you could read into that and say, wow, he's great, or you could say, eh, there's some doubts. We really don't know what's going on there. The one thing that gives me well, hope. He looks the part, man. What's that? He looks the part. You look at him. He looks the part. Yeah. You look at him. He passes the eyeball test. He looks a lot like like a Zach Moss, like big and stout and athletic. So he looks the part for sure. He he does. I I think what it comes down to for me, and this is what gives me hope, is uh, a couple of years ago listening to one of those BYU after further review, you know, the players breaking down the film week after week after week after week. And Brian Logan made the comment that – like theoretically, if you've got a perfect receiver and a perfect defender running the perfect route, but you've also got defending the absolute perfect way, he said the receiver wins every time. If you've got perfection against perfection, the receiver is going to win. And so that tells me BYU has a chance. If we can keep, they have to be perfect, but, but they can do it. If we can give Wilson enough time and those receivers are going exactly where they should, I mean, Utah has a very talented secondary. But if you've got three or four guys running different directions and just one of them has just one window and we can do that consistently, I mean, it's a tall order, but I can see it happening. Now, flipping the other way around, nobody last year ran on BYU. I mean, people ran, but when you compare to the season average, when you adjust everything and look at the numbers, BYU is really good at stopping the run. And when I look at Utah's offense, they will be good at running. I, I don't know if they'll be as good at passing and hustling, you know, those long, big breakout downfield plays, they will be able to run and BYU is able to stop the run. So we've got strength versus strength, which I think is going to make a really interesting football game. Do you think um, the loss of Taki Taki, Pau'u, and Kaufusi affect will affect your run defense? Because those guys were all studs, yeah. especially Taki, Taki Taki played awesome in the rivalry game and, and did Kaufusi on one leg or one arm or whatever. So do you think that's going to affect the stoutness of your run deep? I, I do. This is the first year where going into it, I don't see anyone in the linebacker position where I can point at and say, that's an NFL guy next year. And for the past two or three years, we've had that. We've had uh, Warner. Uh, we've had uh, Taki Taki, you know, that you'd mentioned. And so uh, one guy that's going to be just a stud all over the field, I don't see that as much. But I think the scheme of BYU's defense has been what has been good at stopping the run because you can't you can't rely on one guy to completely shut down a running game. You know, as good as one guy is, it's, it takes the core of them. And so I do feel like they will be strong against the run one more time. I see more of the studs carrying the defense being in the secondary. That being said, I almost feel like going into a game like this, you have to spot Utah an automatic 14 points because there's going to be at least two plays <laughs> – where Utah's going to score from anywhere on the field because someone missed an assignment. And so you kind of have to look at that I and hope say, so. all right. I freaking hope so. What's that? I freaking hope so. Uh, it, it seems to happen. I just, I, I hope, And I hope it's a pick six because that seems to be the theme <laughs> the last few years 
is uh-huh. uh, you look at 2016, the first play of the game, Taysom Hill throws a uh, throws it to Levahifo off his hands. Uh, Sunia Tautioli takes it to the house. You look at the Vegas Bowl, we had like 25 yeah. pick sixes in that game. You know, and then even last year when BYU was up 20 to nothing, what sparked it was the pick six yeah. from Julian Blackman. So yeah, I, I will be okay if we have a couple pick sixes. I'll be okay. I, I think that's where the hashtag Ute Luck comes from. Is from the BYU goggles. You look at that and you say. Why did the ball have to bounce right there? It's the same exact way you look at that Washington game with a stupid pass that bounces off the ankle in the exact wrong spot. That's how we see like a dozen plays in the last two years is why did that one have to do that and that one have to do that and that one have to do that? And then I know from the Ute goggles you'd say, but the other ones that didn't could have. It could have been even worse, but a lot of freak plays. Hey, you know what? You can say luck, but dude, when that's happening that frequently and you have a defense that that thrives on creating chaos. Yeah. That's what they do. They create turnovers. So maybe luck, but maybe it's the fact that you had, for example, in the Vegas bowl, that one of the pick sixes to Dominique Hatfield, um, we had Jason Fanaika rush the edge and hit right. Mangum's arm as he threw it. So is it luck that it went to, to Hatfield, yeah. or was it just awesome no. play by the defensive end? Yeah. I should clarify. I'm not, I'm not supporting that. I'm saying the low football IQ casual fan. You just watch the way <laughs> the it, lower than us. Watch, Cause we're low. We're low, but the lower, IQ <laughs> even lower us. than us. Yeah, you watch the way it bounces and you think, why did I have to go there? But you're right. There's way more that goes into creating that. And that's something Utah just does, but it's, it's something where, I mean, you can't script, like you can't drop a play and say, and it's going to hit his helmet. And that's the thing is you, you credit Utah executing really well on defense. I also, and, and everybody does this. You look at your own team and you either give them the praise or the blame. No one ever acknowledges the other team. Coaches do it, but that's what they have to do. I look at that and say, well, BYU's receivers should have been far more aggressive. It shouldn't have been bouncing off helmets. It shouldn't have been hitting guys there. You know, it, you can look at a lot of factors that go into where the ball bounces and why it goes where it goes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I want to go back to one thing you said, though, yes. earlier um, when you're talking about um, the perfect receiver route and the perfect defender. Um, do you have the receivers that can that can I mean that that can run? You know that can do everything perfect. Do you have those stud receivers that can? Because, dude, I will say this: Jalen Johnson, he's going to be an NFL first round pick. Yeah, maybe early second, but he is a flat out freaking stud. He's a he's a true lockdown corner. Um, and then our slot corner Javelin Gidry is literally the fastest football player in America. He won, um, you know, the, ten, the 100 meter race, mm-hmm. uh, 10, whatever the 100 meter sprint. And he won it in, for college track. So he's literally the fastest, one of the fastest people in America. So we've got lockdown stud corners, yeah. NFL guys. Um, so do you have, do you have the Cody Hoffman's or the Austin Colley's, uh, that can, that can do that. That can, Take advantage of yes, uh, against Utah. Yes and no. So, uh, no. Let's go with no. No, but I'm not worried. <laughs> and here's why I'm not worried. Okay. Uh, Gidry, that's fat. What if he's too fast? Do you ever think of that? He's just run, he'll run like way too far. <laughs> yeah. He, he's running out. He's covering the guy, and all of a sudden he ends up in the stands. Yeah. yeah I've thought of that. Cut man. to wit on the sideline. Slow down, son of a. You know, anyway, <laughs> I love the wit gifs when he, you can tell he's cursing. It's like, yeah, he's, he's mad. Um, no. Hey, you call it you you call it GIF? I don't I did for Okay, here's the thing. The internet like 10 years ago said you should and then like 3 years later said you shouldn't and I've moved on, you know. Gotcha. You can call it GIFs. It's fine. I I I'm going I call it GIF. I just it's easier. GIF makes me think of peanut butter. I can't do it. <laughs> remember, I call it a GIF. Remember when Bryce Harper said meme? <laughs> 
That was one of my favorite <laughs> clips. Dude, of he's a time. stud. I like. I don't want to go down that road, but I like Carmel. Re- anyway, okay. So we were actually in some real football talk here. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah I'll get back. Um, it, no, let me let me finish that thought. Okay, if you if you think about you're playing your Madden video game or whatever, and you got your numbers of like skill that you're assigning to everybody, historically BYU has had a guy in the '90s and like four or five guys that are in the '60s. You know, as far as their skill level goes, you you've had the just reliable. I mean, you mentioned Cody Hoffman. Uh, God, I'm having a brain fart. Who's a really tall guy that cut everything? Mitch Matthews. Mitch Matthews. You know, you've had guys that are reliable, consistent. We don't have that this year, but I don't think that would matter as much because if you did have that, I don't think they would exceed Utah's number one and number two defenders. You take your best defender, put him on him, and he's shut down, and then you're relying on your lesser receivers anyway. I do feel like we have five or six guys who have in-game experience against good teams who've proven that they can produce. And so I like overall the receiving core's quality that rather than one guy up in the 90s and a bunch of guys in the 60s, we've got some 70s and 80s that we can spread like crazy. We do have Bushman, who I'd put even higher. I'd say low 90s. You know, he's he's going to be a threat. And so if they focus on him, I mean, that's what I love is, yeah, Utah's defense is good, but are they all going to be perfect all the time? No. And that's the that's the weakness you have to exploit. And I know saying that, that's a tall order. You take a really, really good defense, one of the best in the NCAA, and say, we've got to find the weakness play after play after play after play. If you're going to get the win, BYU, that's how you're going to do it. And I feel like yep, and- the way they showed up last year – for the first three quarters, well, for maybe for the first two quarters, they could do that. They gave me hope that that's possible. They can do it again. Okay. Um, and, and you know, to that point, it's the first game of the year, and there will be mistakes, period, yes. on both sides. There just will. So yes. who can take advantage of the other team's mistakes, whether it's running the incorrect route or whatever the case is, a missed assignment, there will be mistakes. Who can take advantage of that? Okay. So we talked about what we what we each got to do to win. So uh, if, you, if BYU loses, why? Oh, man. Uh, the the head thing I was talking about earlier. You take one or two or three key players, and you have them early on start to buy into the fact that we're just outmatched in every phase of the game and we can't do it. I, I think if BYU wins, it's going to be within a touchdown or two. If they lose, it could be any type of a loss. It could be a close loss like we've seen before. If this gets away from them early, it could turn very, very ugly for BYU fans. And we've witnessed in this eight-game streak both. You know, we've seen some of them that's just like, this is just torture and misery to watch. And we've seen some where our hearts are crushed out of nowhere at the end. Uh, But I think it's mental. I think physically they're not as outmatched. I mean, you think about, like, talk about you've got the fastest guy in the NCAA. You look at all what power five equivalent teams i'll say that to throw byu in you know power five and the handful of other teams that kind of count for the non-conference schedules power fives the slowest guy isn't going to be like 30 percent slower i mean you're talking these percentages are very very small so even though yeah utah outmatches them in a lot of positions that that's not all said and done hands down games over might as well not play i mean you can make up some of these differences so i i think the edge is mental and if BYU loses that mental edge, it's it's not going to be pretty. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, if Utah loses, I think it will be something along the lines of kind of what happened last year and what you've mentioned. We go in just thinking, okay, we won ten in a row, eight in a row. Um, it's been ten years, won eight in a row. 
we're getting all this hype, we're getting all this pub, we're some people I was number six, we're just gonna out talent them, mm-hmm. you know? And then they go in there not not expecting what they, you know, not expecting, say, Zach Wilson to just sling it all over the field. You know, maybe they have a game plan where he just slings it and punches us in the mouth early and we can't we can't come back this time. So mm-hmm. I think if we lose, it's because um, we just we make too many mistakes thinking we're better than we are. It, you know? it would be the USC effect. You know, you had not very long ago, those of us that have gray hairs in our beards now can remember not very long ago, the entire Utah fan base spoke and acted like an elite G5 fan base, like a Boise State fan base or a BYU fan base. I didn't just call BYU G5. I'm just saying they're similar in that we're saying, hey, we're just as good. We're just as good. P5 status doesn't mean that much. Whereas now, I mean, it has come full circle where it's like full on embracing the P5 mentality. So I've seen that happen with the fans. If that happens with the players, what was the the best quote from USC last year? One of the players said, that's just a regular team. We shouldn't lose to them. They're just a regular team, right? What was it exactly that he said? Yeah, he said they're just a regular team, and that became kind of our mantra for the rest of the year. Yeah. We, the, the, even the football team would tweet, hashtag just a regular exactly. team as we were rolling through the Pac-12 South. So and man, we kicked their ass last year, though. Yeah, it was incredible. The score, the score didn't make it look. I think we won by eleven or something. But we were, I mean, they they went up fourteen nothing on a on a on a fumble return for a touchdown, and then at that point, I think we scored thirty five unanswered points yeah. and just dominated them. But see, that's the thing that you're talking about. Your fear, if Utah becomes the USC in this situation of saying we are good and they just don't put in the work. You know, and that's that's the thing is with the hype comes that risk of just believing in yourself without putting in the work. Yeah, it's uh, and that and that's part of why I hate it being the first game is because you don't you don't know what's gonna happen. Yeah. You know, you don't know, but uh, it's gonna be gonna be fun. Okay, so best case scenario for BYU, what's the best case scenario in this game? Like four hundred to nothing, BYU wins. <laughs> Yeah, that's it for Don't sure. Don't test the sure. limits of my imagination but, here. Best case scenario, uh, hard-fought game, no flukes, and solid win that they can build on and, and carry the momentum into the next three games. Uh, and that's the thing is I, I'll take a win any way I can get. But I would hate to have a win where two or three of Utah star players go down early I mean, for a couple reasons. One, you don't want to say, well, we beat the injured players. Two, I hate the way Utah fans get when something like that happens. They're like, why do we even play those guys? It's not worth the risk. you know. And, and I don't want to hear any of that. I'd like to keep everybody healthy, you know. But it's football. People get injured. And so, so I want it to not be fluky, and I want it to be solid. I want it to be something where they can say, we figured it out, things are clicking, and we're going to carry this and ride this going forward. And, and that can be by seven. I mean, Utah's a good enough team. You can eke out a one-point win or a two-point win and have that box be checked that, hey, that was a quality, solid, emphatic win that we can build on. Okay, so what's what's the score for your best case? A best case scenario. What's a leg- obviously not four hundred to zero because that's never happened yeah. in the NCAA. So <laughs> man, a be realistic awesome. best case score. I, I would say thirty-five, thirty-three BYU. Okay. I'm gonna say best case, and that's, that's a, my that's prediction. We'll get to predictions later, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that now. Yeah. That's my best case and my prediction. Okay, so Utah best case. We come out with our NFL defensive line and our NFL defensive cornerbacks, and they just man up 
and control the line of scrimmage and shut down BYU's passing attack. And then our offense, our, our offensive line gels um, is, is it, you know quickly and is better than they've been given credit for, and Zach Moss runs wild. Um, and then that opens up Covey in the flat. That opens up Jalen Dixon down the middle. And so best-case scenario for Utah, I think, is like a 42-13 to 13 win with just you know first quarter close, but Utah just – Second quarter steps on the throat and and pulls away from there. So that's my that's not my prediction, but that's that's my best case. It would be a forty two thirteen something like that, just a dominating win, and I would finally just be relaxed. Yeah, and I, dude, I feel honestly, it's so stupid. I have felt anxiety for the last five days, and I'm like, gosh, you know, sometimes you do that, you're like, why why do I feel anxious? And you kind of go through your day. Did this happen? No, work. No, things are fine there. You know, and it always comes back to the freaking PYU-Utah game in two weeks. That's what's giving me anxiety, and I hate it. Oh, Ugh. man. Well, I, you know, I, I like you, and so I almost want to say for your sake, I hope this works out, but, man, I hope they lose. Thank you. I, I hope Utah loses. Uh, I, I can see 42 to 10 happening very easily. I mean, that's not some cra- – I, I love BYU as much as anybody. Well, that's maybe – there's some nutcases out there. I really love BYU. But uh, but I could see that happening. Utah's a great team. BYU could do that and still go on to have a pretty good season, hit their 7-5 and five benchmark that I've set for them. So, you know, if it's something like 42-10, I wouldn't lose hope or be terribly discouraged about the season and all is lost. And likewise, 35-33, I see that Utah team going on to win the Pac-12 or at least be in the championship game again. You know, it's we've talked about that before. It's wide open. This is a year where I think if you hypothetically throw BYU into the Pac-12 South, they're in the top two. You know, I mean, there. I, I think Utah can still have an amazing season with uh, with still losing this game. So I will be there to lift you up after the game when you need to vent and, and reassure you that everything is going to be okay. Technically, they could. They could have an amazing season after, but dude, it would be a monumental task because I think if we go and we lose the first game after, like I said, all this hype, I think it's a psychic blow. They'll recover because their next two games are pieces of cake yeah, you know yeah um but but it would be it would be tough it'd be tough so worst case then what's your worst case scenario for byu i'll give you the worst case for utah oh man worst case scenario i the key players getting injured you know that's just you hate to see that i mean score worst case yeah. the, the, i'm not even going to talk about the score worst case scenario because it i'll admit it can get ugly whatever an ugly score is to you that's what i think could happen but 54 to 10 but if it's something yeah oh man could you even imagine well, that's never happened. I was at a game. I could. That, I could imagine, and that was a glorious moment. I, I typically have it together. I'm a, I'm a good guy. I, I don't lose my temper. Jake Heaps, <laughs> that time, then he dropped the ball, and they use. I mean, you see this highlight all the time from the Utah side when he looked like an idiot, like fumbling backwards in there, and, and you know, bless his heart, he's a good kid. Like I, I'm glad, like his whole story and all that uh, that he's he's kind of found a place in football. At any rate, when that happened, I I swore like really loud in the <laughs> middle of a BYU fan section of strangers, you know, people I didn't know, and was just like, man, I, I that was not an intentional thing I did. That just happened. Like it was like this visceral. <laughs> In my DNA, you have to say bad words when you see your quarterback do that. Anyway, that that's pretty bad too. But no, I would say even yeah. worse than that. The ugly score is something that would be detrimental to the rest of the season. To where, because of key injuries, because of things you know, fluky things not working out, you see Kalani having a more of uphill battle than he needs to have. I mean, you could. Uh, 
there's a lot on the line going forward for this program because we're he does not have the most secure job. I mean, people like him, but I mean, yeah. if we go two and whatever, you know, and just have a miserable season. If you repeat two years ago, he's gone. Yeah. If you go another three and nine season, he's gone. Absolutely. For sure. Okay. So let's wrap this up. Let's do our actual score predictions and our actual player of the game predictions. And then uh, we will sign off and re-sign back on after game one. So you go first. What is your prediction of what you genuinely think is going to happen? I think it's going to be 35-33 BYU. I think a surprise player from the defense will be the player of the game. I'm going to go ahead and say Isaiah Kafusi because the Kafusis always bring it. There's going to be a surprise player of the defense that will have two forced turnovers individually that the game will have turned on. And it'll be redemption. It'll be, you know, that'll give us a little bit of wiggle room to make some mistakes on the offensive side and still come out ahead. Uh, and I'm going to say the best thing about that is Utah will recognize how much they have riding on the season. They will recognize the role that strength of schedule plays. And they will be hoping deep down where they will never admit that BYU beats Tennessee, that BYU beats Washington, that BYU beats USC. And so it will unify the fan bases. There will be love in the state of Utah. I said realistic, not – not. I said, I said realistic. Dude, dude, Utah cannot have BYU – I mean, okay, if you do want BYU to be good, it can't – we can't have them beat other Pac-12 teams. We need the Pac-12 to be as strong as possible. That's true. You know, oh, that's a dilemma. That's both sides. Pac-12 losses. Yeah, back yeah. Back, you got to see that both ways. Well, for sure the Tennessee game and every other non-Pac-12 game then, you know, blowing out Utah State, blowing out Boise State, making statements. You know, if, if BYU finishes top five in the nation and they're, BYU, and they're Utah's only loss, that's really good for Utah. I mean, that puts Utah in the playoffs. It would be. So, so yeah, come come kumbaya with us. L- love us. It's okay. it's, it's going to happen. Okay, so here's my prediction. So your prediction is 35-33. My prediction and why I think it's going to happen, I think Utah, you know, Kyle Whittingham has tinkered around with OCs since Andy Ludwig left and never found one to stick, right? Yes. And you look at the offenses under Kyle Whittingham, the top three offenses under the Kyle Whittingham era – Andy Ludwig, Andy Ludwig, Andy Ludwig, all three of them, right? Really? And so I think I, th- yeah, in in total yards, yeah, in total offense, number one, two, and three were all Andy. Who Ludwig were the quarterbacks teams. those three years? Uh, Brian Johnson, um, yeah, Brian Johnson, and all, all three. three okay, actually, no, Brian Johnson, because he laughed after. Yeah, Brian Johnson was the quarterback. Okay, Brett Ratliff was one year. Yeah, actually. yeah, Brett Ratliff was okay. one year. Anyway, so Brian Johnson, Brett Ratliff. Anyway, so I think Andy Ludwig. Runs the offense with likes. Ever since Andy Ludwig left, I think he was always looking for another Andy Ludwig yeah. because Andy Ludwig likes the ball control, likes the ground and pound, likes to run to open up the pass, right? Yeah. And so I think what happens is we come out with Zach Moss. We come out with our – if he plays, it's still up in the air. Uh-huh. If not, we come out with uh, De- Devontae Henry Cole and our superstar freshman Jordan Wilmore, who's eventually going to be a superstar one year, mm-hmm. former USC commit. We come out and we run the ball. We pound it. Our offensive line does well. Our defense holds them. I think Utah comes out focused because they know what is on the line. They've been hearing all year – how they're now potentially a playoff contender, and I think they take that seriously rather than overlooking it. So I think we come out fired up, we come out focused, and we win 35-17. Yes, I'm predicting a three-score lead. Is that three scores? Help me, Matt. It could be. It's a lot of field goals if you just do field goals. Make it safeties. (laughs) We don't have a field kicker this year. safeties. (laughs) That's right. We We don't have the same field goal kicker this year. Yeah. 
No, that's that's 18 points. That's 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 a three score game. I think we win three scores. I think we do. I'm 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 drinking the Kool Aid, man. That's solid. I heard I watched interviews today. Kyle Whittingham said this is the best camp they've ever had. He's usually pretty optimistic, but he said they didn't have one bad practice this camp. I think the team is ready. They're focused. They're senior led. They're senior laden. Seniors all across the board and high level seniors too. Dudes that could have gone the NFL last year came back for their senior year to make a run. I think they're focused. I think we come out. I think it's going to be close in the first half. It'd be like maybe like a. Uh, 14-13 at the halftime or something like that, um, 14-10, and then Utah just continues to just ground and pound and pulls away, has a, a late score too, and we win 35-17. I, I could see that. And and I think – I haven't seen – does ESPN or betting, Las Vegas, they already have betting lines out on this game? They do. It was uh, – they had them since summer. It was – Started out at six and a half. Okay, I think latest is five and a half. That's what I was Utah. thinking. It would be about six. Which for for Vegas, I mean, that's a that's a pretty solid edge. You know, they don't like to get too far out there. But I feel like that is kind of, and it is not numerically in the middle of where you and I am, you and I am where we are with our predictions. But um, yeah. but yeah, we're kind of both a little bit more to our side on that. So yep. yeah. Agreed. As as obviously that's the whole point of this podcast. I'm a Ute Homer, you're a BYU Homer. We For meet sure. in the middle and try to I think that means we're right on where we should be. I am looking forward yes. to seeing the Lisa effect. I think I know where you're going with this. The, the team mom, the one that's bringing the te- the oranges and the Capri Suns. Yeah. She's awesome. She's awesome, and I feel bad for her because sometimes I feel like she maybe doesn't realize what kind of a hornet's nest she's walking into because she's she doesn't hold back, and and I love that about her that she doesn't hold back. But there's there's changes. The game day experience is going to I don't want to say more resemble Utah's because it's not just Utah. Utah does an amazing job with their game day experience. I've been to a few Utah games and think, man, this is how you this is how you recruit future fans. This is how you get the kids, the bystanders, the low football IQ people to say, wow, those drums were loud and all the smoke and all this. And BYU, I know they don't have Pac-12 money and they don't have Utah money, but they have money. There's no reason you can't create the same atmosphere, the same environment. And it's not just Utah. They didn't invent hype. A lot of teams do that. But BYU has needed to step their game up for a long time, and I feel like she, I don't want to say has made it happen, but has got the ball rolling. That's what's funny about it is is she started off saying, she started off with like, we need blackout helmets. We need, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, all these suggestions she make, like, wait a minute, she she wants them to turn into Utah is what she's doing. <laughs> yeah, she she went, grew up going to all these yeah. games every single game. There's season ticket holders. She saw that experience, and all these suggestions are just basically turn us into Utah. Yeah, minus all the the flowing alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. I don't want to act like Utah invented all this stuff, but yeah, that's very obviously where she's coming from with that, and. I agree a thousand percent. I mean, I'm sitting there. The what was the last game I went to? I saw uh, Utah like versus Oregon State. The atmosphere is cool. You know, we could be cool. You got you got guys out it there is. like repping BYU. So there's cool guys out there that say we're cool. There's no reason we have to be choir boys. James the Mormon, boom. <laughs> ja- or uh, sorry, James the member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Oh man, did he change his name? He yeah, I didn't think about no. that. He, he needs to if he wants to follow suit. Anyway, all right, man, we're 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 going long. Let's wrap this baby up. I would be James. Um, the looking Saint. forward to the football season. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> yeah, you're right. We got to wrap it. Up. I just I would be James the Saint if I if I like, had to change that. But yeah, let's wrap it up. <laughs> you short James the Saint. Yeah, that's good. All right, so dude, the game is a week from Thursday. 
8.30 ESPN. I will be jet lagged and tired after <laughs> spending a week and a half in England. And I'm going down there and it's going to be a blast. I'm looking forward to it. Any last any last thoughts before we wrap this up? No, I'm just, I'm looking forward to it as well. I, I think, you know, you got to embrace the good of the rivalry. Channel out the bad, ignore the bad. There's There's a lot of people I've muted that I don't normally mute. This is from here on out. You can't accuse the other person of being obsessed. We have to be obsessed this week. We are going to be talking about each other. Yep. You got to mute people you don't want to see. And, uh, you know, we'll all come back together in a couple weeks and be friends again. And this will be awesome. And you know what? I hate that obsessed talk because we're freaking rivals, man. <laughs> yes. I lived in Columbus. Ohio State and Michigan is a 365 rivalry. That's all they do is talk about each other. Yeah. But the one thing they don't do is say, oh, you're more obsessed than I, are. <laughs> I am. Because they don't care because it's a rival. It's just that's what it's about. Yeah. I wish you could get to that point because sometimes I'll think of a funny tweet. I'm like, oh, I've tweeted 20 times about them today. <laughs> I don't want to get into this. You Delete. spread it out. Anyway. That's what I do. All right, bro. Let's do this. Look at... Looking forward to season, uh, looking forward to episode three. Yeah, yeah, it'll be great. Hey, we'll see you on the other side. Go you, Go Cougars.